You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. Welcome back to the Talk Your Jits podcast. This podcast is, as the name implies, all about jiu-jitsu. I'm your host, Lamar Smith, and today's guest is a black belt who trains at Legends BJJ, located in Temple, Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure I got this right, Davis Giadu. Yep, you got it right. All right. How's it going, brother? Good. Good, good. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good, man. How's your morning so far? So far, so good. Um, I got my two kids with me, so hopefully they don't interrupt the uh, the interview. But uh, yeah, so far, so good. Um, just just finished my workout, and then um, just been studying some some jujitsu stuff uh, in preparation for tonight's tra- training session. So. All right, all right. Sounds good, man. Well, let's get the ball rolling. If you want to formally introduce yourself, uh, by all means, and let's hear about your jujitsu journey. Well, my name is uh, Davis Giadu. Uh, I just got recently promoted to black belt uh, in July of uh, 2023, right? This past uh, recent year. Um, thank you, thank you. Uh, I, uh, I'm originally from the Northeast in York, Pennsylvania, which is uh, an hour south of Harrisburg, the, the capital of Pennsylvania. So it's kind of like near the um, southern portion of the Pennsylvania-Maryland border. Um, how I got started in jiu-jitsu. Uh, so when I was growing up, there was, uh, during like middle school, high school, there was a school that located uh, right next to a Greyhound bus station, right? So every day I pass by going to school and I'm like, oh, these are uh, a whole bunch of people fighting in a cage, uh, wearing some like funky pajamas, right? It's like, I don't know. It's like a karate uniform. Mm-hmm. So I passed by here and there, you know, peeking in and um, I'm like, I don't have the funds to at the, at the time to actually train. Um, so in the summer of 2012, uh, after I graduated from a um, community uh, military college, right, I had two months of to, to spare before I moved down to Georgia for further education. So I was like, you know what, you know, I, um, I did some traditional, you know, martial arts, uh, like Taekwondo, a little bit of boxing. And I was like, you know what? I need some ground game. So I finally uh, went in, and the first first person that introduced uh, me to jiu-jitsu was my professor, um, Daniel Beleza, right, uh, out of uh, Fortaleza, Brazil, right, straight from the motherland. And, uh, you know, I was kind of nervous. I was like, all right, this is weird. You know, there's, there's no striking. There's, you know, just um, takedowns, like, like grappling, like wrestling, right, minus the the weird singlets and, and, and shoes, right? Um, right. so he, he sat me there and he kind of, he kind of explained to me like, you know, all right, this is what jujitsu is, which I kind of have a, a vague understanding, right. Of like UFC and the, the typical, uh, understanding of what jujitsu is, right. Based off of that, um, that medium. Right. Uh, he explained mm-hmm. to me the contracts and whatsoever. Right. I was like, okay. Uh, um, and I thought he would like just send me in and like, just go at it. Right. But at the first half of the, the class, you know, he was like, Hey, you're going to sit here. Right. And just watch. I was like, okay. Um, so then, you know, they did their blocking instruction, they did their drilling. And then I was like, man, I don't think I'm going to go train today. Right. So it's like a waste of time just sitting there. Um, but then, and fortunately enough, he was like, all right, we're going to go to our live rolling. So he started counting the heads, uh, how many people are in there. And then fortunately enough that day, it was an odd number. Right. So he pointed at me and he was like, Hey, do you want to roll? And I was like, Oh, awesome. Great. Uh, so I got there. He paired me up with a, a brown belt, same height, same size as me. And the brown belt asked me, like, hey, do you know any techniques, anything? I was like, no, not really. He's like, okay, I'm going to lay on my back. So timer starts, boom. And then as a typical white belt, like day one, know nothing about jujitsu concepts or, like, techniques at all, right? Just about, like, strength mm-hmm. and athleticism. I went in. I, like, got him in side control. You know, I kind of squeezed his head, you know, right? Like a cross face underhook, right? squeezing squeezing doing my own like isometric workout for like 30 seconds i gassed out and i was like i'm exhausted <laughs> and he looked up to me he's like are you done i'm like yeah, pretty much. he's like all right cool my turn boom he swept like reversed me pinned me strangled me and then at that moment i was like hey i'm sold on this you know <laughs> so that was like my humble beginnings to introduction introduction to jiu-jitsu wow <laughs> 
<laughs> so bad. So, so given the fact that you're a black belt now, like when you go back and think about your first time rolling, because I always do that too. Like, what do you like? What do you think about like when you like as like as yourself now thinking about how you were when you first stepped on the mats? Oh man, it's it's weird. It's like now you know I, I wouldn't say like I, I compare myself back then i'm more mature in in terms of mindset um technique obviously understanding of jujitsu and the application of jujitsu and on, on top of that also teaching jujitsu right spreading the knowledge and and then learning how to um distribute that information to others right uh in terms of like from from now um then to now i'm just like there was a lot of things that i learned uh in terms of how you know at first it's all like i didn't know anything and then over the years, it's like I learned that through like more of through mistakes and, and failures than success, right? Because a lot of people now you hear like, you know, like hey Gordon Ryan, right? He's like undefeatable, right? He's like fifty plus and oh, right? And in terms of like his winning streak, but people don't talk about like yeah, he gets his ass whooped like all the time in, in training, right? And like it's right. those moments of where there's trial and error, trials and tribulation that matters the most, right? A lot. Of People don't talk about that because it's like they try to protect their ego, right? And then, you know, the cliche saying of in jujitsu is like, hey, leave your ego at the door. So, in a way, it kind of that's one key takeaway I kind of learned over the years is like how to manage your ego, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then, what I usually say is like, at first, I'm going down rubber trail, but like at first, you know, as a white belt, it's like, oh, leave your ego at the door. So, I mean, like, whatever the uh, leader or the teacher or coach would say, like, hey, that's like his word is gospel, right? In a way, but over time, through my own experience, I kind of realized like you do you do need some ego, right, to bring your bring to the math as you're rolling as you're training. Um, but I would kind of call it like I kind of termed it as disciplined ego, right? So instead of having your ego take control of you, right, you have take control of that ego of like, hey, I need the willingness to kind of go in and like not be a dead fish, so to speak, or or like um, some somebody that when somebody rolls with, they're not going to like beat me. Right. I'm like, I'm not going to concede positions. I'm not going to accept, you know, a takedown from somebody. Right. I'm going to make them work for it. Right. And I'm going to make myself work hard to like not be in those positions and like kind of fight for, it, you know, fight positions. Right. Um, and that kind of helps me out uh, due to the fact, like over the years, kind of like do competitions and mindset that it kind of helped me out, you know? So. Yeah, I like I like that concept of what you said about Gordon Ryan. Yeah, the fact that he's like undefeated in tournaments, but yeah, no one ever realized how many losses he took to get that good. So yeah, so having right. your ego in check is definitely um I you know a and piece of advice I give everybody. Like egos are checked as soon as you walk in the door. Um, because that's the only way I feel like you would be able to like grasp and learn jujitsu. Is understand that you know the possibilities that you will be the weakest link sometimes on the mat. Sometimes you have your days where you are the strongest. You just have to be able to learn and understand that, and yeah, like you know, buy into what jujitsu really means. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I I had this epiphany the other day when um, you know in the past I was like, oh, you know, you have your good days and then you have your bad days, right? So like yesterday, yeah. I did my remember session right and I, it kind of hit me right like 11 years of doing jujitsu and then like finally at this, this moment in time in my journey uh in jujitsu i kind of realized like there's no such thing as good days or bad days it's like as long as you go in with the willingness of like hey i have something to work on and i'm striving for it regardless of like how emotional i get you know um there's no good days or bad days right as long as you have the intent of like you know trial and error right and if you succeed or not succeed like that's you're working towards something, right? So that I, I kind of like that kind of lit flicker, you know, a light in my head. I'm like, oh man, there's this no such thing. So that's like one key takeaway I kind of learned um, yesterday to kind of like teach other, you know, lower belts to like, hey, you know, today you might be, you felt like you'd be the nail versus the hammer, but as long as you're like consistently striving for something, then it's, you know, there's no good days or bad days. It's just a day of training. So, yeah. And, you know, that's something that I like to relate to my students, too. Like, you will be the nail more so often than you are the hammer. 
So just <laughs> take your take your lumps and keep just keep getting better. Just keep growing. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So um, yeah. So you so you've been doing this for like eleven years. So um, I've only been doing this for six. But what are some of the things that you've noticed change in like the aspect of jujitsu from yeah from the time you started until like now? So I would say um, just two things, right? It's like the uh, the meta, right? The most effective techniques available at the time and the pedagogy, like right? the way of teaching and conveying information, right? So mm-hmm. to start off like the meta, right? Like when I remember, I remember when I uh, started this back in the summer of 2012, it was like Baron Bowles, right? That was like the thing, right? For like uh, short stature and people like myself, right? That was like the thing. And then we start progressing forward um, a little bit, and in more of the gi aspect, it was like warm guard, right, with King and Cornelius with his little lapel, you know, wizardry. And then it went from from that, um, and then into the leg locks, right, which was like where I kind of exploded in my own uh, personal journey through jujitsu in terms of leg locks and in, in the no gi setting. Um, and then from there to now, it's more like. Uh, wrestle ups, right? Instead of like wrestling, you know, both individuals on the feet, right? And try to wrestle the individual down. It's more like, hey, hey, it's okay. I can pull guard and I can wrestle up in order to take the person down, right? Uh, that was like the latest, the last meta I saw. And then now it's more of taking, uh, you know, counter counter leg locking and like taking the back from there, right? So that was, that's this is where I see now is like the latest meta, uh, what I've seen in, in jiu-jitsu, um, not only in the, you know, in the classroom setting, uh, the school setting, and then also in the highest level, like, like you see on like flow grappling, for example, right? That's the first part. The second part is the pedagogy, right, of how how to teach. So this is where I'm kind of particularly um, interested and passionate about at the moment. So going, growing up um, through, through through the ranks, right, from white belt to brown belt, it's just a basic, uh, typical model that you see in all of most of jujitsu schools, right? It's, it's going to be, you know, maybe starting with a warm-up as in like running around the mats jumping jacks shrimping um doing shots of penetration steps across the mat and back uh to the block of instruction and then once that block of instruction is done then you do your your drilling a little bit right and then you know rinse and repeat and then finally it's like either situational rounds or live rolling right so that's like the typical model that i grew up in and then now through my own research now it's more like there are other other methods of, of teaching, uh, whether it's the reverse classroom model, where it's like instead of an instructor teaching like one thing and then everybody will just copy and and, and drill that specific movement or uh, technique or concepts, it's more like okay, so for homework or assignments, every each individual you know research on their own time and then bring in uh, the next day or, or you know next time they train, you know we we'll gather around and we'll talk about like. You know, this person is trying to work on, like, for example, like reverse delahiva, right? Or this one person is trying to work on taking the back, and then they work from there. Um, that 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 methodology I don't use at all. Uh, I don't favor it. Um, and then the one method that I really really like to use now, uh, and it's kind of like, I would say like woo because it's it goes against like the tra- traditional training model, like I mentioned earlier, right? Um, it's the ecological approach or the constraint led approach. Um, this it's more scientific based uh, around the kind of like the professional sports um, arenas. Uh, so like Penn State wrestling, they use it. Baseball teams use it. Softball teams use it uh, in order to kind of convey the information um, to have the the players or uh, the players, the people that you know do the sport, kind of adapt to. Uh, adapt and learn faster in their in their knowledge within their sport, right? Um, mm-hmm. A great example is uh, this individual um, named Greg Sauters. He's a, a black belt that trains uh, out of Maryland, and he his teaching methodology he's based it upon this um, constraint led approach or ecological approach, and which he teaches all his students, right? So there's no um, there's no drill like there's no drilling at all. This everything's uh, taught based on games, right? So easy way to kind of visualize this is imagine like specific training, right? So everybody across the board knows some sort of form of what specific training is, right? Hey, person top or bottom has a, like, you know, a goal to do something, right? 
prime example would be like a person on top is going to pass person on bottom is trying to prevent the pass right and try to get into like an open guard a closed guard of some sort right and then they, and then they go from there mm-hmm. so the ecological approach or the constraint letter approach is basically like hey it's kind of like, like that except it's more refined and constrained right so let's say the person on top has the goal of like you know for passing is hey he needs to make he or she needs to make a hand connection here on the hips and have to like split the legs and go you know and pass from there right uh the person on the bottom needs to like keep their feet in front and and guard and, like retain guard using like certain things like connection of two feet into the inside or framing or something like that um so that's it's kind of a way i kind of teach now and um going back to your your question th- these are the, the kind of the two things that i've seen uh change over time so yeah, that's a very, very intriguing way of approaching teaching jujitsu. Because like the as you know, the more and more you're talking about, it, I'm like, okay, that's kind of like it's more so like they're trying to find their own way, but they have like scenarios that they have to kind of like go through as well. Like you say, like, hey, we want you to pass guard, but you have to split, you know, like split the guard, you know, block the hip, yada yada yada. But you still kind of have to go off on your own merit on figuring out how to do all that. If I, if I, if I understand right. that. So right. It's, yeah, you're, you're correct. So basically it does two things, right? For one is it destroys the concept or like the negative concept of dead drilling. Right. So it's like going back, taking the basic traditional model of like, okay, you know, once we've done the blocking instruction, the person, right. The Tory or the person doing the technique uh, is doing it on the uke, right. Or, demonstration partner that doesn't do anything right it's like and you see this like 99% on all tradition on all jiu-jitsu schools across right the world right it's like okay person's doing the action he'll do the action he or she do the action the person on bottom is or in that certain position is like okay i'm going to be a limp noodle i'm not going to have give zero resistance and then it it kind of gives the person that's doing the, the the move a false sense of like confidence and like hey i got this move down right but then when you put in a live scenario, when they try to do it move for move, it's like, okay, now this variable comes out of nowhere. They're blocking in a certain way, or this happens, or like it, it throws everybody off because now they're like, oh, I, I drew this with zero resistance. The variables are coming out of nowhere. And then now they're not, like their body is not adapted to adjusting, right? Being adaptive. So, so that's number one. Number mm-hmm. two is that, going to my second point is with the contrary approach or the ecological approach, it allows the person drilling or um, doing the movements be adaptive, right? So in the case where they don't do the move or the technique, like, you know, move for move, at least they know how to kind of adapt on the fly, right? Kind of grasp those concepts and then go from there, right? Uh, an example I always use is like person on top is, you know, in the game is their task is to pass, right? Their focus is, hey, they're going to have, in, you know, hands on the hips, inside control, they're going to split the legs, right? They're going to have control the inside space between their opponent's legs and go pass from there, right? So now instead of like, all right, we're going to do a knee cut pass, they're going to have, you know, these concepts. So now when they go live, right, outside of the, the games that they play or specific training, these variables that comes out of nowhere. So regardless of like, they're not, you know, they don't know how to do knee cut pass, at least they know the concept like, okay, so as long as I have control you know, on the hips, you know, pinning their legs, pinning top, you know, the top body, now I can actually like do, you know, the, the passes, right? Any type of pass, as long as you have those type of um, concepts in mind and it allows them to be adaptive. Yeah, I, I really like that. I did try something like that um, for a class. I had a guy who was working um, guard passes and I didn't necessarily teach him how to do a guard pass. I just gave him the concept of a guard pass, like, you know, like you said, split the guard, get from his guard to side control. Do that. And it was, I mean, you could tell it was very awkward for him because he's like, I don't know any techniques. I don't understand what you mean by that. But I'm like, all you have to do, get past his legs, get your body on this side, yada, yada, yada. And surprisingly, he was really able to figure it out pretty quickly versus, you know, given a structured technique like, okay, this is the type of guard we're going to pass. Obviously, both parties is listening to it. So it's like, yeah, and if you want to rep this in a live role, 
your your opponent kind of already have an idea of what you're going to go for because like yeah typically if you're in a class you learn a technique and you go for a role you usually kind of go for the move you just kind of learn because it's fresh in your mind and then the other person who's already in the class sees that too so it's like oh man why is this not working or why is this not you know I, I did everything right why you know why can't I get it but yeah, it's because of how yeah how it's you know actually yeah how it's taught right so it, that kind of it kind of for me seeing also the evolution as well going back to the question of like the things I've seen going from white belt to, mm -hmm. to now right uh so in addition to the metas right the techniques and the teaching methodology it's now it's more like like how the the stuff that's being taught right so at first it's more like all right we're gonna teach techniques and then then it's up to the onus is on the the students to be like okay I know these techniques now I gotta piece it together now and then the next evolution was like okay we're teaching sequences right so instead of teaching one or two techniques that doesn't even like relate to each other right or there's a bridge or a missing gap between the two right there's a missing bridge right now it's like okay we're gonna teach you know uh, techniques that actually tie together so now instead of the student having just one or two techniques that they have to figure out how to relate to each other they have one sequence right kind of like a recipe from a book where they're like okay you just go from next step to next step to next step right to next technique from one technique to the next technique to the next technique now it's more of conceptual world to where now it's like okay there's the person i mean the the black belt that's you know doing the ecological approach in maryland he he, he states that there's no such thing as techniques. That's why he doesn't teach them, right? He's more teaching like just concept based, right? So that way, the individual um, that's you know learning through this this approach can actually adapt and kind of do it on the fly, right? So they because they're adapted to the environment that um, that's present in front of them. So now it's more like okay. I I teach just the concepts of uh, I mean I still teach techniques, but at the end of the day, I really emphasize on the concepts, right? So I keep you know telling my students like. At the end of the day, if you don't get the moves, move for move, all right, the details, as long as you get the concept, you're, you're good to go, right? Just remember that. And then once you're, you know, trying to learn and your body becomes adapted to it, then you start opening up techniques or sequences that I don't even, that I never taught. And it's it's beneficial for you because it's for you. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I've seen through, you know, the evolution from starting as a white belt to now. Yeah, I'm gonna have to adapt some of those concepts because I like that. I like that. I like that way of thinking. It's um, it kind of gets out of the cookie cutter, like you said, of just like okay, we're gonna rep this one technique the whole entire class, and then you know you kind of just move on to the next class from there. Versus, like you said, just giving them a concept of how everything works and letting it, letting them find it, you know, find it how it works for them, uh, for themselves, and they like you said, in their in their own game. Right. Yeah, pretty, pretty cool, pretty cool, pretty cool. So, do you are you um do you compete or have you? Well, I know you said you competed before, but are you like? How can I put this? Um, are you currently active in competing like now? So I, I am. Uh, so in about I actually in about. Three weeks or so, I'm doing a a, a super fight, um, potentially a super fight, right? If the person accepts or not, um, in uh, kind of I think it's an hour or so from San Antonio, um, under the um, grappling sports coverage, right? And, and it's it's uh, it's on a, on flow grappling. Uh, so I've been I've been doing like more super fights, right? Um, and then you know the local tournaments like Naga, AGF. Um, I what I'm hoping to do is a couple of months from now is once you know the ADCC opens comes around Texas, then I'll probably like jump in on that as, as well because I have never done it before, and that's like one of my uh goals that I wanted to achieve um of this new year. Nice. So, which one do you prefer? Do you prefer tournaments or do you prefer the suit just the super fights? So, it, it depends, right? Um, so basically, if it's my focus is on skill acquisition, skill development, I'll, I would do tournaments, right? Um, not the major tournaments, but like the local tournaments like Naga, um, AGF, you know, that, that way it kind of helped me kind of, it's a litmus test, right? I know a lot of instructors out there um, that will say like, 
hey, I don't, I don't promote students based on people like competing. I personally think like if you don't go out there and like put your your skills to against a person that you have never met before, um, someone who's unknown and like kind of test your skills out, you won't see for yourself like have you improved or not, right? Of course, you see it mm -hmm. if you roll in with the same people over and over again in the school. But when you go out and you know test your skills against an unknown opponent or unknown um, person, then I think that's that's how you kind of develop, you know, kind of reflect on if you're what you're working on is that works or not, right? Um, and then in terms for super fights, I kind of like doing those because one sometimes get some like monetary incentives, right? Um, and then two is the just a, the atmosphere and the energy, you know, that you get from, from being on the stage under, you know, the bright lights with the music, the walkout music, you know, you go in and you just, it's just you, your opponent, um, a ref, and and then, yeah, you can go from there. So it makes you feel like, you know, kind of like you're in a UFC fight or like WWE or, you know, like a, in a like celebrity atmosphere, right, or setting. So I kind of like, that's the reason why I like to do those. Oh, okay. Yeah, cause like I, I've never, I haven't done a super fight yet. Um, I really haven't really thought about it, but I have done tournaments and um, just the aspect of loan of just like you know, you know who your opponent is. You you know you might be able to look them up, maybe not, but like you, your focus is just that one match versus you know being in a tournament where you get there. You don't know when your match time is. You don't know who you're going up against. You don't know if it's you know the weight, none of that stuff. It's just kind of like you just throwing your hand in the in in the cookie jar. I hope you grab something good. But um, but as far as like you know competing in, in a whole, I, I was like that too. Where it was like you know I don't really care about uh, tournaments and stuff like that. Still kind of don't you know if if it, if the student wants to do it, then you know by all means. But yeah, I, I do feel like, you know, someone who's doing jujitsu should c compete at least once. You know, it don't have to be every single belt belt rank, but, you know, at least once. So that way you can kind of, like you said, get an idea of where your skills at, where, you know, where you feel that your, 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 like your jujitsu lasts. I mean, uh, where your jujitsu um, kind of like ranks at. And I can say for sure that the couple students that I did have compete, including myself, you know, their mindset in jujitsu has completely changed from the time they were just, you know, doing it as a hobby to becoming, you know, to competing for the first time. And then, like, you know, how they approached jujitsu after that was just like, almost like night and day. And it just, and it just dawned on me when you were, when we were saying that, like, you know, yeah, I think you should, you know, should at least, at least do one tournament to kind of see where you are, and whatnot, and you know, you can kind of build build from there. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with what you said, um, because there's a lot of times I've seen students uh, they would just train, right? They never competed before. They like train and focus on you know honing one technique, and then they're like, "Oh, this technique really works because it gets everybody in the gym." But then all of a sudden, when they go for the tournament, it's just like they they go with somebody who they never rode before, and then boom, they're they're technique just get crushed because they had that false sense of like, oh, this technique works and it is like a technique I'm going to live by. But then when they go out and have that reality check, right, that litmus test is like, it doesn't work. Right. And then it's like, if I haven't gone out there, if the person didn't go out there, then they would have never known like, oh, this technique doesn't work or it techniques need some refinement. Right. And you wouldn't know if you just don't go out, out, you know, outside your comfort zone. And then I also agree mm -hmm. on, you know, Saying how like when they, the person that did you know just roll in the school right they roll once one certain way but then post competition when they finally did it right you see like a night like you said a night and day of like how they roll and I see that all the time um, so my so the school I train at is a competition based school and you know okay. we we have a lot of competitors so it's a you know we see night and day of like the when the first person that you know they're doing a trial class or in a couple months doing jujitsu they haven't done a tournament right. They, they kind of roll like a certain way, right? But then when they go with a competitor like myself or my, you know, other people uh, that compete, man, it's it's like, like we, we just crush, right? We just like crush them, you know? Not not because we're like, 
being assholes, but that's the way we roll, right? Because that's we're like mm-hmm. we're like veteran of the sport, right? It's like it's we're battle battle tested, battle hardened, battle tested, right? I would say that compared to somebody who's green and just like, oh, you know, I, I you know, I just roll against these people like, oh, he's my friend or she's my friend. Um, against somebody who's instead of like, I'm gonna try to rip your limb off or your head off, you know what I mean? Um, and I, I see that too. Like the moment we say, Hey, I recommend you compete, right? And then they're like, Okay. And then the moment they like they do their first tournament, it's like, oh, I don't know why I didn't do this in the first place or early on, right? And then once they come back to the next day, the next training session, they roll exactly how they, they competed, right? Um, like just that intensity and like, you know, rolling as someone who um, there's like, it's like an actual fight, right? Versus somebody who's like, all right, I'm going to chillax and like just do this as a hobby and like not give any, you know, any resistance and um, just like, Keep it playful, right? Jiu-jitsu versus like competitive jujitsu. If you just want to label that that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know, while you were talking, I was thinking about one of our students. Um, he just actually just got his purple belt uh last last week, right before the holiday. Um and I remember he was like, you know, I'm I i will not do tournaments, I don't, you know, I don't care for them. But he went out there and did one. And the whole time that he was, you know, that was leading up to the tournament, he was like, yeah, man, I've been, you know, I've been studying this. I've been doing this. I've been, you know, I want to try this and, you know, whatnot. And, you know, if, if you know, he just coming up with all these different scenarios and how things will, you know, how he would try to, you know, uh, how things will play out and stuff like that. And it's like, damn, that's really such an improvement that you don't even realize because, You'll usually come to class, you know, you talk to everybody, um, you know, work your work the uh whatever the lesson plan is, and then you leave or whatever. But lead, like I said, leading up to it, and even up to now, like he's taking more notes. He's like, you know, asking more questions. He um he like I said, he came up with his game plan that he wanted to work for his uh tournament. And right after the tournament, boom, we watched the tape. Like, you know, we watched his matches and it was like, okay, this is what we need to work on, blah, 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 blah. And like I said, greatly great improvements since he did that. Yeah, for sure. I and also like the the aspect of like doing a tournament, okay, competition wise. It not only everybody thinks of like, all right, just show up and then go from there, right? Like the physical aspect, but there's also you know the mental aspect, right? And also the tournament preparation as well in terms of like, hey, if you want to go to a certain weight class, but you're like a pound or two off or like five pounds off right it's like you have to manage your weight and there's these little aspects of like certain like little disciplines that you need to you know enforce in order to to compete right so it, it, it using the competition um or a tournament as a as a platform to you know to kind of focus on honing or developing a, a better uh, areas of your life as well you know so it, whether it's you know meal planning uh strength and conditioning um you know, watching tape, visualization, meditations, you know, all that stuff, it, it comes out of like the preparation um, or the, the willingness to do a tournament or a competition. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cause it, I, you know, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a whole different, um, you know, a whole different atmosphere, a whole different beast because, you know, you're so used to rolling with this, you know, the, the seven to 10 guys that you roll with on a daily to you're in a you know in a foreign land everyone's watching you you know nothing about who you about to roll with and yeah like you said that lead up to it like you know if you're serious about it that you know you know your meal prep and you know the way you train the way you you know you handle yourself leading up to it because you know you know for a fact that that other person is not just sitting around doing nothing you know he's going after it he's getting you know he's getting ready and you like, okay, well, I know for a fact if my if my opponent is preparing, I need to prepare too. So like you said, watching tape, watching techniques, getting your mind, you know, getting yourself mentally together um, as well as getting more physically together versus then you just, you know, showing up to the gym, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, you're watching what you eat. You, you know, you're staying a little bit later in the gym. So it's a, it's a lot of stuff that goes on to it than just, hey, sign up, show up and just roll. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. So, um, 
So Legion, is this is so this is the school that you've been with since you started jujitsu? No, so um, like I mentioned earlier, so I started in, in Pennsylvania, right? Um, with a team right, called, okay, called yeah. SAS team. Okay. And then from there, uh, since you know, being being in the military, right? I had to go like from place to place to place, right? Based on like my job uh, at the time. So so Pennsylvania, and then I went down to Georgia for college. Um, and then from then, uh, I, I was with Gracie Baja for a long time. Um, so from Georgia, like North Georgia to where, like where I went for, um, for college. Right. Uh, and then from there I got, you know, I went uh, from North Georgia down to further South to another, you know, Gracie Baja school. And then I trained there for a little bit. And then from, uh, and then I got orders from Georgia to go to Colorado so when I went to Colorado, uh, trained there for a little bit, and then I got orders to come back to Georgia. And I, so I went to train in the same location I were, uh, was previously. And then finally from there, I got orders to come to Texas, and that's where I um, started training at, at Legends. So. Okay, okay. So what, what rank was you about when you got to Legends? So I was a brown belt. So I was a newly promoted brown belt. And okay. then, um, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of funny. It's, uh, my, my previous professor, he promoted me. So I was like a three stripe purple belt and, you know, I, I would, I was expecting the day that I got promoted just to get a stripe. Right. Cause obviously you're not gonna like, unless it's like special occasions or certain, uh, certain circumstances, then, you know, obviously you're gonna like, you know, skip stripes or skip a belt or whatever. Um, but he, he promoted me to brown belt. Uh, and he told me afterwards, the reason why he promoted me was he was afraid that if I go anywhere else under the assumption of the previous, you know, or sorry, the new, my new, um, coach or professor would be like, oh, you had, you know, this belt and these stripes from somebody else, but you're not with me. So I'm going to remove, you know, all your stripes and you got to start over again, right. At that specific belt. So because of that fear, he was like, Hey, I think I'm going to give you your, your brown belt. Not because. Because because of the fear, but like you actually earn it, right? Um, mm -hmm. But that was kind of like the starting point of like, okay, he's afraid that all that hard work that I have done will just go up for nothing because some new place I'm in or some new guy that I he doesn't like don't even know me. So yeah, that's kind of like the that's always been a fear of mine because um, I've been I've been training at the same school since I started jujitsu, but you know just the idea of going somewhere else and knowing the fact, knowing that you're skilled, knowing that you're capable, you know, what you're capable of, but you have to convince that new school. You have to convince that new instructor that you earn that purple belt or you earn them stripes. So yeah, I can, I can see where your instructor is coming from because he don't want you to, you know, feel like you, you haven't earned that, you know, but yeah, it's, that's just, I don't know. I guess I've, I've never really thought about it a lot to like fully understand where it's like, um, yeah, if I, if I'm coming from another school and I'm a certain type of rank and it may take you another two to three years before you get recognized there versus, you know, the, the, um, the route that you was on at your own school. But I guess because you're, they're more familiar with you than, than whatnot, but yeah, that's always been like a great fear of mine of going to another school and having to wait so long to get recognized for the skill that I've already obtained where I was at. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's funny because as a black belt, I kind of realized over time, like, you know, from a white belt, you know, blue, purple, brown, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to get my next belt. I'm going to get my next belt, right? We're like all chasing this mater materialistic thing, right? This, this coveted piece of fabric that covers you know our waist and then now as a black belt i think like hey you know the belts don't even freaking matter right mm -hmm. i know a lot of people be like hey you're a black belt you can say that because you achieved your coveted black belt blah 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 right but i'm like no <laughs> like listen right so prime example right and i say this so many times when people are like you know oh you can say that because you're a black belt but i'm just a white belt i want to blah 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 but i'm like no it doesn't matter it's the belt doesn't matter. It's a skill set that you have, right? Um, so I can't remember which Gracie said it, but it's like, 
the whole purpose of a belt is to cover two inches of your ass, right? It's like, it doesn't matter when you get into an altercation on the street, the belts don't even matter, right? It's like, it's the skill set we have on hand right then and there that matter. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, Chris Hodder. Um, Chris Hodder said that, yeah. Yeah, and and, um, and another good example, like that person, from my personal experience is, so we have at Legends, right? We have this, this phenom, right? His name is Hunter. He's been doing this for two years and he got recently got promoted to purple belt, right? He's just, he's like, you know, 20 years old and he like kills everybody, right? He like even beats me up, right? And like, and he, he's amazing, right? And just because he's not, you know, he he doesn't have a black belt or, or whatever, right? He's like, he has a skill set to beat black belts, you know? And, and um, that... I always tell people that that personal experience of mine, that little vignette of mine to show like, Hey, it doesn't matter the belt, right? The belt, like you can, you can be a white belt, but as long as you have the skill set and the understanding and the maturity and this train and to acquire that, that quality of uh, skills as a black belt, man, you go, you go to roll with a black belt and you, one day you might just beat them. You know what I mean? Like at a, at a faster rate versus like waiting 10 years, the name can be a black belt going against a black belt, right? So it's it's it right. kind of goes back to like the methodology of teaching as well. So that's what uh, that's what we see a lot at my school. It's like we see blue belts that go to other other schools and like just beating up purple belts and sometimes brown belts because it's the quality of training and of knowledge and the convenience of those information um, to those students, right? And how they they kind of mm-hmm. use it to their you know within their capabilities in order to, to roll with other people. Right. And we see across the board, like all this, um, during this past holidays, like we have people that usually trains on a regular at our school will, you know, go to their hometown or, or back to their home state or whatever. And they say like, Hey, there's nothing. It's, it's so special about our school that when they go back to roll with people they rolled with before, it's just like, um, with people that they actually were unstruggled us with you know trying to to tap or to submit now you just just breeze them through like nothing you know and it's it goes back to you know the the quality of your training the convenience of the information and who's teaching it and how they're teaching it to make them better right um kind of like a long-winded answer but yeah no i got you i got you but um that's that's a uh, a philosophy that you know I try to distill into anybody I talk to uh, when it comes to jujitsu. Uh, you know, don't chase colors, don't chase stripes. You know, just you know, just trust and trust in the process. Because if you know, every I guess you know everyone starts that way. Everyone starts like you know you you start something new and you know you're seeing people around you getting stripes and promotions and you want to feel that like man I can't wait till I get my blue belt or whatever. And, you know, I have to admit, I was like that too at first, but I think once I got to like, maybe like mid blue, I kind of didn't care anymore. You know, it was kind of like, um, I'm, I'm, I love this. I love this martial art. Um, I, I, I'm loving what it's done for me physically, mentally, emotionally and stuff like that. So it was like, you know, it'll, the, the, the colors will change eventually. And, you know, that all, that's all comes with time. But you know, we had a conversation with the uh, with a um, with a fellow uh, student. Well, I guess he was a training partner, student, whatever. And he was saying, like, you know, hey, you know, realistically, um, when do you think I should be testing for my brown belt? And you know, we were we were being honest with him, and we were just saying, like, dude, it won't be no time soon because you haven't been training. Just because you've been at a certain rank for three, four years doesn't automatically signify that you deserve the next rank. Like, are you showing up to class? Are you paying attention? Are you showing up, you know, are you learning and teaching from the underbelts? Like what are, like, what are your, 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 you know, your mat etiquette? Like there's a lot of this stuff plays into factor then versus just saying, yeah, I've been, I've been this belt for X amount of years. So I deserve the next one. And the, I guess the example that I gave him was like, that's like you getting a job, not going to work, but you still to get, you still expect to get paid every Friday. It doesn't work that way. You have to put the, you have to put the work and time right. in to get what you, I guess you say you feel like you deserve, but 
I guess that wasn't the answer that he liked. He wanted to hear, but it's the truth. It's it's the truth. Right. Um, <clears throat> sorry, you mentioned testing. That individual said testing for your belt. So do your your school kind of do that that route? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Have you seen? Not kind of going off a rabbit trail here, but uh, have you seen like Roy Dean and his his testing and all that on YouTube and whatnot? No, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. No, so I haven't. No. If you, and it's for everybody. yeah, for like for everybody out there, like Roy Dean, he, his student, you know, he's the um, he's a student of Roy Harris, which is like one of the people that learned directly under one of the Gracies for a little bit, and mm-hmm. he kind of curtail like each, you know, like like your school is each each belt has a specific testing, right? Um, and then what he highlights on YouTube mostly is when. The brown belt, you know, selects to do his testing, and which is like a couple hours, you know, coming from like, hey, you know, just show certain techniques, and then like they gotta tie in like ten techniques in a row, and then they go from like specific training, right, or specific position to like actual live rolling, and it's it's pretty cool, it's, you know, it's it's pretty awesome to see. So you know what I did? I've seen, um, I think his name is Peter. Yeah, one of his one of the students named Peter. I watched his black belt test, but that's kind of what we do um, for our testing. Where you know we have our rules and philosophies that we that we um, that we follow in jujitsu, and then we have to demonstrate techniques from different positions. Um, we have to do a self defense portion of the test, um, and we also do a sports jujitsu portion. At the ends, where it's like you're, you're tired from self defense, you're tired from doing all the techniques, you're tired from doing all this. Now you have to roll, so that way you can't rely on strength. You just your your will to fight and that grit is what's going to get you through the rest of your test. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah I, the first school I was at, it, they do they do kind of something like that, but um, at that time, like by the time I left, like I never got a chance to actually like do that t- specific type of testing. So I, I just been mm-hmm. promoted through the, the, I would say the traditional way of like, uh, from the assessment of, of, of your professor, basically without an official testing of like, or official um, assessment of some sort. So. Right. But that's, you know, I, cause I'm not used to being at big schools. So I'm, I'm just trying to like, you know, figure out how, how does, you know, uh, an instructor truly knows the capabilities of each students. If you have like, you know, 20 to 30 people on the mats at a time, like how do you keep up with trying to figure out who's ready for that next rank? Yeah, that's a, that is, it's funny. Cause my, one of my goals in the future, um, whether it's near or far, is like to actually own a school. Right. And again, like, this is one of the questions I kind of, you know, kind of ponder about a lot. It's like, how can I, when it's, how do I assess, you know, my, my students when it's time for them to go from, from, you know, the next rank or the next, to get, earn the next stripe or whatever. Right. Right. Um, and I asked my, my professor, my, my coach right now, like, what does he do? So what he told me, right. His, what he does is two things. Well, one is he personally rolls with them. Right. And then he'll, he'll do his own personal assessment. And then also um, the second, the second thing is he, he'll usually ask the higher belts, right? Like, Hey, has, this individual is he ready if he or she is ready for the next belt yes or no and why um or the other way around is you know obviously like you said that's like a, a lot of students on the mats like how can you able to know like hey he's he or she is ready there are sometimes like higher level or higher belts will come up to you know my professor like including myself like hey like this individual really needs to be you know go to the next rank because he 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 you know he is at that moment already he's at that stage in his um jujitsu journey that he needs to do it right and then from there you know um it'll be like yeah i hope he or she gets promoted or not but that's like a you know a way that i've i have learned um from my professor that that's how he does it but yeah i mean i i kind of got the you know the general idea of you know just thinking about that like you know you you're obviously you're an instructor but you also have upper rank students that you kind of like depend on as you know as your seconds to kind of like, you know, help with the class. But yeah, it's like, to me, I feel like 
um, it would just get very confusing sometimes or like you'll just get so lost in it where it's like you got 40 people on this match and you're trying to remember not only their names, but, you know, skill set and what this person needs to work on and all the other stuff. Like I'm comfortable with maybe having like 10 to 12 students this because that's what I'm used to at my school. But just having like that large school and trying to like figure out where everyone's at, that can be so daunting what it uh, sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And also another way too is, um, is like if they're competitors, it's like, is they're going to place on a podium or not? Right. Like there's was well, two things. It's like either a, well, one is did they place right. And then two is where they place. So it's, it's kind of a, a way to kind of assess as well, you know, um, kind of, kind of narrow it down like that, you know, one of the criteria is like, Hey, is this individual ready to move up or not? So Gotcha. Gotcha. So many ways, so many ways, just, yeah, like you said, just depends on the school. Um, Cause do your school do like, do they do stripes or just straight belt, uh, just uh, belt ranks? Um, They do, they do stripes uh, as well. But I think for me personally, I, if my, my mindset is if when I open my own school is, there shouldn't be any stripes period. Right. It's just be just the belts in general. Um, the reason being is mm-hmm. I, I kind of learned the history of like where, well, one is where the origin of these belts is where the belt system comes from. Right. And then like where the origin of these stripes come from, uh, obviously mm-hmm. we kind of took it from, from judo. Right. And then judo didn't have any stripes. The introduction of stripes came from, you know, like the uh, commercialization of the martial arts. Right. Of like, Hey, we're going to, you know, as in a, in a business aspect, it's like, like, hey, we're going to keep encouraging these Americans to, like, try to come back, right? Because, like, if we don't give them anything, an incentive, they're never going to come back or they're not motivated. So it was like, oh, he's a he's a piece of tape, <laughs> a piece of freaking, you know, tape around your, your your little belt so you can be like, oh, yeah, I did something, right? And then you get all more excited. But for me, I think it's like it's a double-edged sword because if you, if you get the stripe, now you're, like, using that as a, a measuring stick, right, a, a criteria of, like, comparing yourself to other people which you shouldn't do at all right so like great example it's a tournament right i i hear a lot of students you know and have my own personal experience of like you know if it's in the gi right we wear belts in the gi you go up you go see this like you know i'm a blue belt and you see a guy who's like a four stripe blue belt you're like oh uh you know and then, then you get a self-doubt like i don't you know i just got promotionally promoted he's you know to blue belt he's probably get, about to be promoted to purple belt and there's like a huge skill gap like i don't know what to do now right Versus like, if you just get rid of the stripes and you're just like, I don't know where I'm at, but I know I'm confident in my own skill set. And then you're like, then you kind of remove that, that kind of like self-doubt, right? Uh, or even the opening to you having self-doubt. Um, so that's that's kind of my mindset, but we'll, we'll see. I haven't, I, I see, I mean, this is my my mindset as a competitor um, and, a, and a teacher, but I haven't been to the, the business aspect yet of jujitsu. So this is where I kind of have to like figure out my my own, you know, whether to use to incorporate stripes or not. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a motivational piece. It's not like, you know, it's going to change much. Um, you know, if you get one stripe, if a person has one stripe or two stripes or four, um, you know, because not everyone gets, you know, they get that, I guess, that promotion at the same time. Like you said, you go to a tournament and, you know, you just got your blue belt and this person's a four-stripe blue belt. You don't know how long that person been a four-stripe blue belt. They could have took a break. Right. They could have took, you know, they could have, yeah, they could have stopped training. They could have not progressed far enough to get that next ring. So you never know. But that's why um, I personally kind of like the, you know, like going to open mats and stuff like Nogi because, you know, if yeah. people don't know my rank, I I don't I don't have to I don't have that to worry about them feeling intimidated when they find out what belt rank I am. You know, because if I show up in yeah. a colorful rash guard, you don't know if I'm a blue, purple, brown, black belt, and I don't know what you are. So I'm just gonna go by your, you know, but off your skill set. Like if you, you know, if we're going and then if I notice some some stuff that you're not doing, I can kind of assess like, okay, he may be a lower rank. But if he's doing some like very calculated yeah. stuff, I'm like, okay, he might be mid to high rank and so on and so forth. But yeah, it's just like someone sees that belt and it's like, uh oh, I'm running with a black belt. Like, don't think that. 
Don't look at it like that. Yeah, you're rolling with a jujitsu yeah. practitioner, just like how you are a jujitsu practitioner. Think of it that way and have yeah. fun. And then also like with the stripes, it, it's also like if if you go to some of the schools where they count your attendance, not the not not the quality of your training, but like how many times you've been at training, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, you've yeah. been at you know, at, and it's like bump, 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 and it's like boom, four stripes all, all of a sudden, right? But then you have this guy who's you know, let's say a recently promoted blue belt, just grinding it day in and day out, right? And it's like okay, he's not getting the stripes, but then we go in a tournament, he's just mauling this dude who supposedly be has better skills because of the, the appearance of having, you know, four stripes. Right. Um, right. So yeah, like I, I, I really enjoy like, yeah, there's a, I kind of had this um, epiphany a, a while back of like, no matter it's, it's kind of, you know, it sounds kind of uh, rough, but no matter if it was a white belt or a black belt, like, or a beginner, I would say white or black, but let's say if it was a, a beginner or even, you know, a freaking world champion, I roll the same way with everybody, right? And I'll bet if it's a male or female, I'm not going to go like using strength, all strength against a female, but I, I still like roll as though my mindset as I roll as though it's a world champion, no matter what, because, you know, if you had that false mindset of like, oh, this guy looks, you know, he's skinny, right? And it's like, oh, he looks like he have never done jujitsu a day in his life. Yeah. That false assumption of like, oh, he's probably the new, the, the freaking free, free trials class guy. But then you realize it's like <laughs> Mike Mechie and you're just like, oh, you know, like, yeah. see, then, then you get screwed, right? So for me, I'm like, no, screw that. I don't care who you are. I roll my jujitsu and then you, you just got to figure it out on your own, you know? Some people are like, oh, you know, you should go. ask him because you know, if, you smash, if you smash him, he might be the new guy. And he's like, I don't like this. But I'm like, hey, it's not, it's kind of selfish because, well, one, I'm a competitor and all comp most competitors are kind of selfish, right? To their own training. So I'm like, hey, like, it's not my problem. It's, it's that, it's the individual that I roll with's problem. Like, Hey, if you want to stay with it, fine. Just don't blame it on me. Like yes, other people you can roll with. Right. So I just, I just go everybody. And I just like, in the words of Khabib, I smish, right? Like I just, I just do that. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's the mindset. Like, going back to like the stripes, right? Like that's, I, I don't care. Like I don't, I assess you as, like you said, like a jujitsu player, whether you're brand new or you're like a, 10 time world champion. I roll, I, I roll the way, you know, how I was supposed to roll, like just jujitsu. Right. So. Yes. Like you said, I, I smish. I don't, I don't, like you said, I don't, I don't care for, you know, whatever rank you are. If you want to roll, we're going to roll. I I'm not the type of person to really like just turn up just on a whim. If we're me, if me and you're going and I notice you started to turn up, I was like, okay, now it's time for me to start to turn up. But yeah, other than yeah. that, man, it's like, hey, we're both doing the same thing. Let's just go out there and just kick each other's butt and go home. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, there, I mean, there are times where I'm like, I I kind of see like if I'm working on something, right? And then if this new guy just like trying to turn up the heat and he just like throws a, a reap in or some sort out of nowhere or trying to heel hook me, right? And it's like, okay, now now you want to play. Like, oh, you want now you're gonna be really serious, you know. Then then I'm like, okay, now. Now we're gonna turn up the actual heat, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. That's that's how it gotta be, man. You know, I, I hate like I said, I hate when people find out what rank I am because you know it's like, oh man, he's a brown belt or he's a black belt. They're gonna like, you know, they're gonna they're gonna destroy me. Like, no, man, I just let's just have fun. Let's go out here and just work. As long as you're not a douchebag. I won't do anything douchey, but if you started to like grind elbows yeah. and knees and stuff like that, then it's like, okay, now we got to really, we got to turn up now. Yeah. So like when, when people ask me, so in the past, it, I usually say like, Hey, I'm a, a purple belt, a brown belt, a black belt. Right. And then it, mm. the, well, I kind of kind of wonder about this. It's like, when I do that, one or two things would happen. Right. Um, one, one way, one reaction I prefer than the other, but one reaction is, they're going to play really conceited and they're like very like, you know, very cautious. Right. Prime example is like, if it's a, a, a white belt rolling with me, when I say I'm a black belt, they're like, you know, they don't go balls to the wall. Right. One, one way. The other reaction, which I do prefer is they go ballistic and they just go like, they're trying to kill me. Right. Which I prefer because I'm a competitor. Right. Um, and so what nowadays, what I do is when people ask me what rank am I, I would say the first thing I would say to them is more like a Socratic, questioning is like does it really matter right does it really matter right. i think you should say how many years i've been rolling how many years i've been grappling that's a more 
productive question to get a productive answer versus what belt are you? You know what I mean? I, I Nowadays, I just hate, I hate when people ask me that. It's just like, you should just ask me how many years of grappling I've been rolling or been doing. And then, you know, go from there versus what belt are you? How many, what, you know, are you a black belt? Are you, you know, I, I, ugh, it just, it, it disgusts me when people ask me that. It's like, you know, I'm just a grappler just like you. Albeit, like, I might have done it more longer than you, but that's more viable, right? Time and experience versus some color on my, on a, on a belt. So on a piece of fabric, right? Right. Yeah, a piece yeah. of fabric. I get it. Yeah. Same here, man. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what my belt rank is. We're down here. We're rolling. Let's get to work. That's simple. Yeah. It's kind of funny. It ties in, like, you know, the, you know, when you're a white belt, it's like, obviously, you're not going to buy, like, the white belt, like, you know, clothing pack, right? Where it's like, you know, white shirt, white, you know, none of that. But then when you hit, like, blue belt, you know, you want to buy everything, like, I'm a, you know, I got a blue, you know, blue belt, um, you know, where it's like a blue belt shirt or whatever, right? But then, I, you know, as a, as now as a black belt, I'm like, man, I just wear regular clothes, man. I don't want to be all like, well, look at me, I'm a black belt. Like, I, you know, all, all fancy smart. No. I just wear regular clothes, like, it's like, yeah, whatever, you know? <laughs> it's so it's like the, the irony of it all. It's like, at the beginning, we're, we're, we're trying to like, we're soul searching for this this thing, right? And then once we have it, we obtain that certain thing, we kind of flaunt it on our, on our sleeves, on, our, on ourselves. But then as you get higher and more understanding and, and like being more humble, you're just like, I don't even matter, man. <laughs> it's like, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that's not that's not my case, dude. I still like to wear anything jujitsu related, <laughs> t-shirts, hoodies, and everything, dude. I don't know. It's like once I yeah, once I got to like blue belt, I was kind of like, okay, I see a couple, you know, jujitsu shirts I like, or you know, I was kind of like making my own. But once I got to like purple, brown, dude, like my whole wardrobe was just strictly jujitsu stuff. Everything was jujitsu. Well, I mean, I mean, like jujitsu wise, like. Uh, yeah, I, I still wear jujitsu stuff. I meant like flaunting your rank. That's why I meant like specifically. I, I don't personally do that. I mean, obviously, I. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. No, I get it though. I get it, but I don't know, man. It's just like you know, I, yeah. I, I've I've worked hard. I put so much time and energy into this, man. So it's like sometimes I just like to wear proudly. That's all. Yeah, I got you. All right, Davis. So we have a staple here at Talk Your Jits podcast where we ask everybody that comes on the show, um, your top three people, no particular order, who would you love to get a chance to roll with? Top three people? All right. So number, it's going from uh, from number three to number one. So number three, I would love to roll with um, Hodger Gracie, right, specifically in the gi, right? Um, let's see, number two, I would love to roll with, um, I mean, I rolled with him before, but I would love to roll, or actually, no, I would love to roll with Joseph Chen, right, out of straight from B team, um, he, you know, same, um, seeing his mindset, his way of studying, like, love the way, you know, he rolls, I would love to roll with him, and then, uh, actually, either Joseph Chen for number two, or Gary Tonin, so, those those two tied for second, and then for number one, definitely Gordon Ryan. Even though he's way bigger yeah. and and uh, proven or unproven, he's on the sauce. But hey, it would I would love to roll with them. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, as as much people want to throw that up there, like, oh, he's juicing, he's this, he that. The dude's still very, very, very technical when it comes to jujitsu. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, you oh, can totally you agree. can fake the muscles, but you can't you can't fake skill. You can't you can't fake the skill. I'm sorry, yeah, you can't. It's, so, all right, Davis, yep. man. Unless you got any other questions for me, um, you know, if you got anything coming up, you want the people to know about, you know, let it, you know, you the floor is still yours. Shout out to your school and everything else. Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to shout out to my, my school legends um, with uh, Professor uh, Travis Moore, um, the people that are there, great people. Uh, if you guys want to get in the um, Central Texas area, great place to train, right? We welcome everybody from all walks of life, all ranks, um, all school affiliations. And then for myself, uh, 
follow me on my Instagram, um, ashigarabi92. Uh, I also have a YouTube page as well. I'm still in the works uh, with that. Um, just follow me and uh, watch my reels, learn some, some jiu-jitsu, those stuff I like to t uh, learn uh, to do that actually works um, personally. And then uh, finally, for my support me in my upcoming uh, super fight uh, is on um, the grappling um, – Sorry, the combat sports coverage, right? It's going to be on Flow Grappling on uh, January 27th. Uh, it's outside of San Antonio, um, and it's going to be in the cage. So if you have a Flow Grappling account, uh, stay tuned. It's a Saturday, it's a Saturday uh, on the day of the event, and uh, just watch and come support me. Awesome, sounds good, man. And um, good luck on your match. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna if I I think uh, my instructor got Flow Grappling, so we'll probably go catch up with him, but. Yeah, good luck on your match, man, and um, good luck with everything that's got that you got coming down the line for twenty twenty four. All right, thank you. Yep. All right, that's the end of today's episode. I would like to thank Davis one more time for coming on the show and blessing us with his jujitsu knowledge. Hope everyone enjoyed. Please go and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube page just to stay updated on all future episodes. This has been Talk Your Jits Podcast. Keep rolling, keep grinding, and remember. Long live jujitsu. Have a great day.